Welcome to the RedX Real Estate Podcast. Here, you'll discover how to create stability and opportunity for your business with tips, tricks, habits, and hacks from top performing agents. If you'd like to receive notifications for new episodes, be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you like to listen. And for even more updates on eBooks, webinar trainings, and other useful real estate content, head over to theredx.com slash blog and click on any blog post to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Thanks for listening. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Stability and Opportunity Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Zimmerman, here at the Red X with another fantastic guest that we're going to get into some things that are going to make a difference in your life, make a difference in your family, make a difference in your business. And one of those people who just happens to be an expert in all of those is our guest today, Kim Ades, who is president, founder of Frame of Mind Coaching, a friend of mine for over a decade who has graciously joined today's episode to give us one of the most important aspects of discovering, and we could even say maybe exploiting opportunity, the precursor, which is stability. So welcome to the show, Kim. Good to see you again. I'm so happy to see you and to be on your show. Uh, It's just absolutely a delight for me. I love it. It's been, well, a little too long since we've had a one-on-one conversation like this. And we go way back. I remember you were doing some coaching with me over the phone and you were talking about kind of what my dreams would look like. And we talked about a big giant boat. I lived in Florida at the time and I was just chatting with you beforehand and talking about how really it wasn't so much about the boat. It was about the space the boat provided, the opportunity to bring friends together, to have meaningful experiences. And so welcome to this meaningful experience. Let's welcome some of our favorite audience members, Amanda Smith is back. This is a place where we invite them to come and join and converse with us. And if you're watching this live today, this is also an opportunity to do some on the spot, hot seat live coaching as Kim has done for me. You're gonna hear some of her principles, some of her ideas, and this is a chance for you to get one-on-one coaching via the chat as we get to that part of the show today. So uh, let's talk about a quote to open the day with, the show with today. What's a meaningful quote that is resonant right now with you, your customers, your clients, or even within your family? So I'm gonna take a common quote that you've heard and switch it up a little bit. And this is the switch that I often use with my clients, my family, my friends, et cetera. You've heard the expression, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. You've heard that one before, right? Mm -hmm. That's an old one. Well, my twist on it is if you always think what you always thought, you'll always get what you always got. So Mm. for me, it's really about uh, the fact that thinking precedes action. And if we only try to change action to get different outcomes, we're missing the boat. The boat, there you go. We're missing the boat. Um, And so in order to truly get sustainable change, and in a a lot of ways, we're talking about sustainability here today, that we have to actually go to the source, go to the beginning of the process and start by looking at our thinking and deciding whether or not our thinking actually aligns with our goals. That's huge. And that's really why I'm excited to have you on the show today, that even though your focus isn't real estate specific, you come from real estate, you've had dozens, if not hundreds of real estate agents as clients. And now that you've, I would say, broadened your horizons to include uh, other types of coaching, you get to bring that experience into today's episode for our guests. And so 
for our guests watching right now, let's give a little love. Say hi to Amanda. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Amanda, for hey, hi. And uh, for everybody watching this, both live and recorded, we have put, put out a script ebook for those who are cold calling, who are creating Zoom videos, who are doing Facebook Lives. And so if you're wondering what to say and what to do during this time from the best people in the industry we've had on the show, we've taken what we think are the best segments, the script parts, and put them all into one place, one video, one ebook. And so in a couple of seconds, uh, someone behind the scenes here at Red X is going to pop a link into the chat so you can download that. So just want to get that out of the way because that's a huge, valuable thing people are asking for. And that what you're going to talk about today, Kim, is going to help them give them the mindset to properly and I would say confidently use that script ebook guide. So... Let's jump into a little bit about your history as a coach, how your philosophy and perspective is different than others, because I know it is. And that way people can then pick what they want from what you're about to share and tell them. So, so let's kind of go back a little bit. Um, before I ever started a coaching company, I used to own a, an assessment company. And the purpose of that assessment company was to help companies make better hiring decisions, like figure out who the best and the brightest, who the people would be that would be more likely to succeed in any given role. <clears throat> well, we ended up building a product called the Real Estate Simulator. And the purpose of that product was to help brokers find amazing agents. Interestingly enough, when we approached brokers, the response to this product was, well, we don't have a problem um, you know, sorting through them, we have a problem with volume. Like we just don't have enough people who are coming through our doors. And what ended up happening was we introduced them to this product called the real estate simulator that would help brokers not only select, but identify training needs and recruit the top of the top, the best agents in the world. And so over a period of time, this product ended up being like the premier recruiting tool across North America. This was a lot of years ago, uh, but we ended up collecting a great deal of data and that data helped us understand what are the characteristics of absolutely the top performers in the field. And we were looking at their skill sets. We were looking at their intelligence. We were looking at their personality tra traits. We were looking at their behaviors. And while all of those things played a role, there was really one critical factor that stood out over and above everything else when we looked at what is common about all the top performers in the field. And it, it's this, is that top performers have a far higher degree of emotional resilience than other people. So as I say this, it's like, okay, well, okay, maybe not brain surgery, right? Like not a big revelation, but let's take a moment and really understand this whole idea of emotional resilience. What is it? Emotional resilience is the ability to bounce back from adversity after a fall or after something bad has happened with speed and agility and leverage the adversity. So bad stuff happens. You fall. We all fall. The question is, how long do we stay down? And when we get up, what do we do with the experience we just had? How do we turn it into an advantage? And so what I discovered way back then is that not everybody has the same degree of emotional resilience. Some people are born with a higher degree of emotional resilience, but also some people can be taught 
to build their emotional resilience, just like you can build your abs, you can build your emotional resilience. And so, I mean, I ended up selling that company and I got recruited by a real estate coaching company here in Canada. And I went into that company. I was super excited because I was really very well integrated in the real estate world. I even won an award. I don't know if I ever told you that, Justin. No, tell him. I, I won an award for being one of the top 50 most influential women in real estate. Again, a long, long time ago. I'm old now, but a, a long time ago. Um, but I was, You're not old. I was recruited by this coaching company and their mandate was to help people live extraordinary lives. I thought that is for me, right? Like that's super exciting. And I went into the company and it was quite a, um, a prominent company, you could say. And I started to observe how they coach. And I mean, their model was pretty standard in the real estate industry. There's a call every two weeks and they help agents build a business plan and then they hold the agents accountable for all the actions they needed to take in order to reach their goals. And I thought about it and I thought something about that doesn't sit right with me. Like it just doesn't feel good. So I thought if I put 50 real estate agents, real estate professionals in a room and I asked them, what are the top 10 things you need to do in order to succeed? I bet you every single one of those 50 will come up with approximately the same list. The question isn't what to do. Like they, they could figure that out. The question is, why aren't they doing it? Mm. What's actually getting in their way? What's slowing them down? And so I started putting some pieces together and I realized like what's missing is that if we could really understand how they think about things and understand their level of emotional resilience, their ability to bounce back, especially in a field like real estate, where there's so much rejection, there's so much competition, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a tough field. If we could understand their reactions to their negative experiences and help them learn to bounce back faster and help them really build their emotional resilience, now we're setting them up for success. Rather than creating a structure of accountability, let's create a structure of mental toughness. Mm. I'll pause there. Yeah. So you mentioned before you can build your resilience, like you can build your abs. Uh, I also liked how you started to kind of put the questions out that I wasn't going to ask and answered them next. Sorry. So, <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, I want to frame for the audience that we want to talk about opportunity, but without stability, without clarity, without emotional resilience, without the muscles that we're going to talk about mentally building further in the show, it's going to be hard to take advantage of that. And I want those who need it most right now on the show to feel like this is their opportunity to start leaning in a little bit more, to start thinking about participating in today's show, because I have a feeling that we're going to go through some exercises. You're going to walk us through some steps, things to think about, and then interact with us. And so let's set things up for them right now by talking about what is one of those first things somebody who has come to terms or needs to come to terms with in their psychology, in their frustration, uh, those roadblocks? What, what is that first thing to start to prime those listening to this right now to then get further into today's conversation? So I'm going to come to that in a minute, right? 
So there are three, what I call thinking strategies that I have noticed over the span of my career, like again, data collection, three key strategies that extraordinary leaders use and lean on over and over and over again, especially when things are difficult. And I'm going to get to those in a minute. But I want to spend a minute really talking a little bit more about this whole concept of emotional resilience. Mm. So, you know, it's this whole idea of getting back up faster, but why do some people get back up faster than others? What is it all really about? It's really about interpretation. It's really about perspective. So when something happens, anything happens, it's just an event. And the meaning we assign to that event will determine how we feel about it. So when we assign negative meaning, we feel bad. So, you know, we had, let's say, a person who was interested in purchasing a house, and then they changed their mind. And so the meaning that we might assign to it is, okay, it's just one other person, I'll just go on to the next one. Another kind of meaning is my life sucks. You know, they always slip through my hands, I can never catch a break. Two different meanings, same event, right? And the, so the meaning we assign to the events that take place are, are a reflection of our emotional resilience. But we can teach people to assign new meanings, meanings that are more useful, meanings that are more aligned with where I want to go. So if I believe that this event that took place is a reflection that I'm not experienced, that I'm out of luck, that I'm you know, never going to make it in life, that interpretation slows me down. It gets in my way for the next opportunity. In fact, what it does is it closes the door of opportunity. You wanted to talk about opportunity, right? So if that's the way I see the world, then my vision narrows and I'm not even able to see opportunity in front of me, right? Like the door yeah. closes on me. So what are some of the first steps in helping somebody gain that skill, gain that awareness, get into an understanding of how to open that door? So when we coach individuals, one of the things we do is we ask them to journal in an online journal. We give them a journaling question or a prompt. And every time they journal, their journal goes back to their coach. I have a team of coaches and the coach, the coaches read and respond to the journal by asking critical questions. So do you mind if I give your audience a little bit of a challenge? Is that cool? I was about to ask, yes. Okay, so, so take a piece of paper and a pen and write down these questions. <laughs> what is it that I really, really want more than anything? So question number one, what do I really, really want? And I put two reallys there on purpose. Why? Because I want you to think about what you truly deeply want, not what is expected of you, not what you should want, not what your spouse wants, not what your mother wants, what you truly deeply in your heart really, really want. The second question is, so what's slowing you down? Why don't you have right now what it is that you really, really want? What's getting in the way? And write down all the reasons that you don't currently have what you want. Okay, so let's put that on the back. Let's put that aside, write down those questions, take some time to answer those questions because they're not the kinds of questions you answer in a second or two, right? You really need to think it through. 
but we're going to come back to those in a minute. I'm going to jump ahead to those thinking strategies I was talking about, and then we're going to come back to those, those questions, okay? So what are the thinking strategies of extraordinary leaders? People who have been through a ton of adversity, but have tended to go through it with greater ease. Okay, so when we look at extraordinary leaders, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, do you think they've never had ex um, any sense of adversity? They've had tons, but for whatever reason, are, maybe their shoulders are wider, they, they handle it more easily, right? So what is it about them that enables them to handle that kind of adversity with, with greater ease? So they look at things, they do three key things. Number one is that they always challenge their beliefs. What does that mean? It means they ask themselves a critical question. Where am I stuck? What is it that's causing me to see this world this way? And more specifically, what do I believe to be true about this problem? What do I believe to be true about this person, this sale, this opportunity, this house? What do I believe to be true? And are those beliefs actually true? So I'll give you a perfect example. I was uh, in conversation with one of my clients and she has a primary business and a secondary business. And because that secondary business is in the service industry, it's currently shut down. And, um, you know, she feels somewhat stuck with it. You know, so I asked her, why do you feel that way? And she gave me a list of reasons. I don't think anyone would want to buy it right now. I don't think anyone will treat my employees right. Um, I don't think it's right. It's not ethical. In fact, she used the word tacky. It's tacky for me to walk away right now and on and on. And my job is to really challenge those beliefs. Are any of those beliefs true? Is it true that there's absolutely no buyer? Is it true that it's the wrong time to walk away? Is it true that any other owner would treat your people badly? Are those true? Really? Right? And what we find is we often invent beliefs that aren't necessarily true. And so strategy number one is extraordinary leaders always ask themselves, what do I believe to be true about this? And are those beliefs in fact accurate? And do they support my goals? So that's number one. Number two, extraordinary leaders are incredibly resourceful. Again, you know, there's no light that's turning off here, but these leaders think about resources very differently than the rest of the population. Their attitude around beliefs is that anything is accessible to me, right? I, there is no shortage of any talent. There's no shortage of money. There's no shortage of resources. And I am entitled to have access to any one of them. So normally when we talk to people and we say, hey, why don't you start a new business? Just as an example, or why don't you go into real estate? Or why don't you, you know, what's the, what's a knee jerk reaction we often hear? I don't have the money. I can't do it. I have kids to take care of. I don't have the experience. I don't, not good at math, right? All those things, right? And so these leaders don't think that way. They think anything is possible and any resource is accessible to me. Number three, extraordinary leaders focus on what they really, really want. 
like with blinders on, right? Like they're laser sharp, laser focused. They know what they want and they do not get distracted, right? So if what they want is to be in great shape and there's a party and there's alcohol and a ton of food, they say, no, thank you. And it's easy for them because they are crystal clear about what they want. So now let's go back to my questions. What do you really, really want is question number one, because so many people are just kind of going through life without even knowing what they want, without feeling comfortable claiming what they want because they don't believe they can have it. And the question number two is what's slowing you down? All the list of things that you have written down are all your beliefs. So I invite anybody who's listening to actually take the time and respond to these two questions as though it were your own journal. And if you're really bold, send it to me. Okay, so Kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to arrange for you to speak to one of my coaches with your journal in hand. Hmm. Thank you, Kim. And if people who are listening to this right now want to go one step bolder, they can put it into the chat and we could do a little live fire. Absolutely. Um, so beliefs and assumptions, sounds like I heard that word a little bit in there. Um, in my own head, people come to false conclusions to create assumptions about what they can and can't do that stop from taking action, which close doors and stop them from pursuing the opportunities in front of them. Where and when do you know you've got a false belief? How do you help someone tell the difference between something they believe in and something that is an assumption? If your belief leads you to a good feeling, keep it. If your belief leads you to a bad feeling, you might want to examine it. So if your belief is, I'm not as smart as everybody else. How does that belief feel? Not so good, right? Let's examine it then. Hmm. From the top producers and agents that you've worked with, what are some of the common challenges in that area that you see repeat and you've helped reprogram or revisit? I mean, there's so many things like I'm terrible at cold calling. I hate cold calling. I'm not good at cold calling. Things like I'm not, um, like I have ADD. I'm not good at the operations or the admin side of things. I need to work on a team. I can't work independently. I'm a social person. I don't like working alone and on and on and on. Sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds familiar. I think if the audience, if that sounds familiar to you, post a little thumbs up and let us know we're on track with some of the things that we can break down and diagnose, because that really would be the next thing is of the top five what are some of the next steps for people who have that thought process right now for them to get over it or through it or around it? Again, like for me, you know what? People who are top, top, top performers spend time on themselves, right? So what do they do? They, they spend time taking training. They spend time um, self-development. They spend time listening to podcasts that are going to push them forward. They spend time hiring the people who can help them in their areas of weakness. They, they do that stuff. They make an investment. They say, I'm worth the investment. So, you know, when you look at what is it that you want to achieve, ask yourself if you're making the right investments, right? And, and ask yourself if those investments are supporting your desires and your goals.
I'm not saying put your money into an empty hole. It's not what I'm saying, right? Like I own a business. I can't tell you how many marketing programs I've purchased that just went out the window. But really, really look at what is your critical pain point and ask yourself, how can I ease that up? First, by looking at how I think about those pain points. And, and then by looking at the structure of my business and examining whether or not my thinking has prevented me from creating a structure that supports me. But Kim, I don't have the money or the time to buy that course or spend that on learning it. What, what do you say to that? Well, I, I say this, I say, well, here's the thing. So you, you may not have money and okay, fair enough. My question is, so like, if you don't make this kind of investment and sometimes investments don't require money, sometimes we can get really creative about uh, our resources. And I'll share a story with you about that in a moment. But if you don't make this kind of investment, what's life going to look like in a year from now for you? Will anything change or will you be in the same spot? And will that be okay with you? Mm. Now, here's the thing about money. I'll tell you a quick story. When I first started my uh, simulation-based assessment company, I was literally pregnant living in a two-bedroom apartment. Okay, like I had no money. I had no office space. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And the idea at the time was literally to um, work with young people and look at their 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 personal skills right like that's what I was interested in and I got this crazy idea that I would hire co-op students right <laughs> and that that we would do this together and my husband at the time I got I got divorced and remarried but that husband said are you crazy who's gonna give you co-op students you live in an apartment you're this pregnant woman right like, you don't even have a formal business. What are they going to do? Come to your kitchen? Right? Like, how's that going to work? And I thought, yeah, he has a point, right? But what did I do? I went to the local mall and I noticed that there was an empty storefront. It's just sitting there empty. So I reached out to the, the mall, whatever, the rental agency. I said, hey, you have this storefront. Can I use it every afternoon from 1 to 5 p.m. until you rent it out? Here's what I'm trying to achieve. They gave it to me for free. Wow. So this whole idea that everything costs money isn't true. This whole idea that resourcefulness means that it's going to burn a hole in your pocket or it's going to take a chunk out of your life or it's going to be extremely painful is an invention, right? Let's get creative. And if we need to get money to pay for something, there are lots of cool ways to get that done too. Ooh, I think you just hit upon something we're going to talk about next. Everybody sees money as a limitation in some way. And I think the story you just told us really goes back to something I heard Tony Robbins say is that there's not a lack of resources out there. There's a lack of resourcefulness. And what you're describing as resourcefulness and that if we can get further and deeper into that, for both the customers who are watching this right now, who are concerned about their bank accounts or their incomes and are thinking about saying, well, what can I keep? What should go? That way I can save money. We've talked before about focusing on price versus value. Price is what you pay, value is what you get, and that you can leverage what you have by being resourceful. And so I'd love to give the agents right now mental 
walk down the avenue of how to become more resourceful. And if you could tell some more stories of yourself or your client of okay. people who have leveraged what's right in front of them and not letting let, let go of uh, what's valuable. So when, when we talk about being resourceful, you know, one of the things like the, and, and I'm, I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I think this is a very, very important point. The thing that limits resourcefulness is what we believe to be possible. I'll give you a great story. Okay. So one of the exercises that I do with my clients at around week eight, I give them a journaling assignment. The journaling assignment is to write down a conversation between themselves and anybody. It could be anybody famous, somebody who passed away, somebody in their lives, somebody they want to get to know. Um, the only parameter I give them is it must be an ideal conversation. So a few years back, few good years back, I had this woman who wrote a conversation between herself and the Obama administration. What she wanted was to become Secretary of State. And so in this conversation, she was in the job interview. And they brought her in and they said, we've read your resume, you're an incredible candidate, but tell us in your own words, what qualifies you for this position? Remember, this is a journal. She wrote paragraphs paragraphs and paragraphs about her qualifications. She talked about, you know, the fact that her family came from, from China, the fact that they started a business and contributed to the economy. She talked about her education, her work experience. She, she wrote out an in-depth plan about what she would do in the role of Secretary of State. And as she's continuing the interview, they said, my God, you're super qualified. You are our top runner. And as soon as we've interviewed all the candidates, we'll get back. You, but we're very excited. And at the bottom of her journal, she wrote me a little note. She said, how's that for, for dreaming big? What do you think? Yeah. Good dream? Big dream? Big dream. I felt kind of fuller and excited trying to put myself in that same situation. And I'm going to ask a almost a stupid question, which is why is that important for somebody to do? Well, wait a second. The story is not over. Oh, but there's more. Oh, but there's, there's more. So here's the thing. I gave her a completely blank canvas. Did she give herself the job? Uh-oh. I don't know. She didn't, oh. right? She said, I'm going to go for this big, massive job. But then in my storyline, I'm going to wait for them to give me the green light. They still didn't even give me the, the job. They still need to interview all the other fictitious characters, all the candidates, right? So why did that happen? Because in our DNA, in the way we're wired, we come to the table with this idea of what's possible and what's impossible. And we live our lives according to that. Even when we're enabled to create anything at all, anything possible, we still create with limitation. We're not even aware of it. So, so where is that relevant? It's relevant because that's how we approach resources. Hmm. Okay, so... We are hindered by what we believe is possible and impossible. So in, in, my, in my mind, an ideal conversation sounds like this. The Obama administration calls me up and says, hey, Kim, we've interviewed all the candidates and you're hands down the best one for the job and we want you to be Secretary of State. But before you start, we want to send you and six of your best friends on an all-inclusive paid tri trip to Italy, right? And you're laughing because you think that's outlandish. 
but we don't allow ourselves to think outlandishly, right? But people like Richard Branson, you know, they do think that way. We got to the moon, someone had to have that idea. That was an outlandish idea at the time. And so we, are, we don't permit ourselves to think in those ways at all because we're like, that's not realistic. I've put a couple of bookmarks in my head for us to touch on before uh, we lose them, which would be one of them is, what did you say to her at the end of that? How did you walk her through the end of her journaling to help her see bigger, to dream or think outlandishly? Because obviously you could see her belief system in writing. What do you do in that situation with somebody when they get to the end of a big dream and then they actually don't let themselves pursue it? So, I mean, it, when we coach people, we ask them to journal, but we also have phone calls on a weekly basis. So I waited for the phone call and I said, hey, I want to review this with you. Tell me about this dream. And she spoke about it and she got really excited. I said, let me ask you a question. Why didn't you give yourself the job? And she, like her mouth dropped to the floor, right? She's like, wow, I never saw that. But the other thing I did is I said, where else are you stopping yourself? Where else are you not closing the deal? Where else are you waiting for permission, waiting for someone else to say, yes, you're good enough? And what we discovered was that as a business owner, her sales were hindered because of that. Hmm. Right. And that showed up in a number of places in her recruiting efforts, in her sales process, in her relationships sometimes. So it became a pattern that we picked up over and over again. It was like a game-changing pattern that we picked up. Hey, I am doing this over and over again, and I'm not even aware of it. And this is the thing, is that for all of us, including me, and this is what I do for a living, we all have beliefs that we cannot see. But when we work with someone who's capable of seeing them fast, we move at a, at a quicker clip. We're getting a lot of love in the comments right now from everybody saying this is one of the best episodes so far. So thank you for sharing, Michael and Marcelo and uh, Amanda and Tom and everybody. Yeah, we, we hit a nerve here, I think, underneath all the opportunity is the stability and psychology. And so uh, we're really getting into it in a way that we've never been able to touch on before. So I just want to say thank you right now as we continue forward for the audience. And we do have uh, Amanda Smith, who's one of our most vocal and active uh, audience. Thanks, Amanda. Um, and she actually asked some questions and she put out the response to what we had talked about earlier. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to let her know that I see it, I got it, we're going to get to it. Because you talked about another one of the things I've bookmarked, which was the money, right? Money is a mindset. Money is a roadblock. Money is about resourcefulness, not resources. And that what I heard next from you was, well, if you want to talk about money and all the ways you can work around it or acquire it to achieve your goals, I heard you talking about a list in my head of all the ways that people can approach that conversation and move forward even in the face of perceived scarcity. So I don't, what I don't want to do is give you a tactical list in terms of how do we, how do we go get money, right? But what I do want to do is say that money is a subject just a subject, like every other subject, like the subject of children, like the subject of a business, like the subject of a house, like the subject of a new pair of shoes, whatever it is, money is a subject. And every subject has two opposite spectrums. 
on one spectrum, there's the spectrum of abundance. And on the other spectrum, there's the spectrum of scarcity. And we all kind of go up and down that spectrum, but we tend to hover around one area with every subject. So all of us have strengths and weaknesses, right? So for example, I have five kids and people would say, well, when it comes to children, I lie on the abundance spectrum. And by, and you know, abundance is one term. It could be effectiveness, um, feeling of uh, ability, whatever, right? So when you look at abundance and scarcity, it could be good, bad, high, low, strength, weakness, that kind of idea, right? So when it comes to parenting, I think of myself as fairly strong. I hover in the strong area. When it comes to, let's say, exercise and weight loss, not as strong, right? So we, we hover somewhere. The question is why? When it comes to money, we hover somewhere too. So you want to pay attention to where do I tend to hover on this subject? And the question is, what are the beliefs I have around money that cause me to hover here? So let me give you an example. I'm going to compare parenting to weight loss. For me, I'm an amazing mother. My kids appreciate me. I have a certain attitude about parenting that I employ on an ongoing basis. I teach a lot of my clients. They come to me for leadership coaching, but we end up talking about parenting a lot of the times and on and on and on. So I have a strong sense of self-confidence in the area of parenting, right? I believe I have clarity over what it is and how to execute that. Well, let's look at weight loss. My sense of confidence is much lower. I believe like it doesn't come easily to me. I'm not wired that way. I don't have the genetics. You know, it's not in my DNA. And all of that is something I've invented, Hmm. right? We invent things about every subject including and especially money. So what are the beliefs you're inventing about money? And let's look at those beliefs. Let's start poking holes in those beliefs. Because they're not really working for you, right? Like they're just not. Yeah. So what I heard was there's a mindset around money. What is a healthy money mindset? What does that look like and sound like? So I'll give you an example. I tell my kids to have an open hand. I don't know if you can see it, an open hand with respect to money. Why an open hand? Because money comes and goes. If you hold on tightly, it's not coming in, right? There's no place for it to come in. But if you open your hand, you're, you're open to giving and receiving, right? So, so I think that's a pretty healthy money mindset. Be okay with it. It'll come and it'll go. But if you're always angsty around money, what you're doing is you're holding your hand in a clenched tight fist. You're not inviting it in at all. You can't see the opportunity. You've closed yourself off. Can we talk about healthy money habits? Does that fit in with this? Well, again, habits are a doing, right? So it's the things we do with money. That, that's a habit. A habit is an action. It's an activity. And sure, there are a million healthy habits we can take on. And there are a million people out there in the world who can teach you those healthy habits. There are financial experts. There are people who t- can teach you how to save, who can teach you how to invest, who can teach you, you know, about mortgage rates. I, I mean, that's not my area of expertise, right? However, 
before we do the doing, we have to believe that we deserve the money. And if we don't believe we deserve the money, if we don't believe we can ever have it, if we believe that it's always elusive to us, no habit will serve us. Because those habits, while we'll try to implement them, we won't be able to stick with them. And that's the key about habits. If your thinking isn't lined up with that habit, forget about it. Like you can say, hey, Kim, you know what? Go to the gym every day. You'll feel better. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll start going to the gym for about three weeks. And then I'll be like, you know what? My arm hurts. I'm going to skip it today. And then that will, I'll go back. I'll go back to that kind of place that I'm hovering around. Mm. So unless I change my thinking, changing my habits alone isn't enough. It sounds like the adage of when you figure out the why, the how shows up. And so if you just focus on the hows, which are the habits, you're not really clear on the whys, you know, something comes along, the weather changes and well, you're back to where you're hovering traditionally over. Let me throw something at you because you're saying if you're not focused on the why, right? So I'm going to, I'm again, going back to the weight loss. I know why it's a good idea to lose weight, right? Why? Why? Because it's healthy. Why? Because one day when I'm a grandmother, I'll be able to play with my kids. Why? Because it'll give me a long life because it'll feel better because I'll be more mobile and flexible. I know all the whys and the reason uh, in the world, right? But the, the more important question is, why not? What's actually stopping you? What's getting in the way? Hmm. What are the beliefs? Again, I'm going back to that whole same concept. What are the beliefs that are causing you not to take the actions you know you need to take? This goes back to real estate. Most real estate people, agents, professionals, know exactly what they should be doing. It's not about why. It's about why not. What's stopping you? What's your why not? Ooh, that is so good. That is so good. Yeah. So what are some of the why nots? What are the common ones you hear? It's too hard. The competition is too tough. There's no inventory out there. Um, you know, it's a dog dog world um you know covid nobody's working right now the the you know it's a tough market on and on and on and on right we know the list so you've really been deconstructing a lot of the psychology that a lot of people didn't even know was running in the background of their daily lives and so now that we're clear on let's focus on the why nots you do this every day for a living, you get to that breakthrough. I feel like it was somewhat of a breakthrough for me to even hear you say that. And for the audience, I'm assuming they're having some similar things. Let's take advantage of this little bit of a breakthrough moment right now and guide us to the next. In fact, they're asking in the audience, how do you turn off the why nots? You don't turn them off. You do not turn off the why nots. You find them. You write them down, you shine a light on them, you know, like a big light on them. And you say, are these true? And you challenge them, you poke holes in them. Because the minute there's a little hole in the why not, what happens is your possibility increases, your access to opportunity increases, your resistance decreases, hmm. you feel lighter, brighter, you walk down the street, and you're smiling, and then somebody sees you and talks to you. And guess what? That leads to a sale. Like it, it's, it's so crazy how this all works, right? But it's really about bringing light to those why nots and, and sitting them with them and saying, is, 
are, are these the things that I want to have holding me hostage? Hmm. Right? Are these the, the guidelines that I am living my life by? And if I don't want to live my life by these guidelines, what guidelines do I want to live my life by? Like if one of those guidelines that you're not aware of is this is hard. Hard isn't consistent with I want business to come to me with ease. It's not consistent. And the, as long as you're holding on to the fact that things are hard, guess what? They'll be hard. But you may not even realize that that's what you're holding on to. So you need to find what you're holding on to and let that go. Say, what do I want instead? And, and let me go one step further. Why do I wrap my arms so, so tightly around the idea that it's hard? What does it do in terms of protecting me? When I say is it, it's hard, does that give me an out? Does that allow me to operate at a lower level? Does that give me an out, right? Like, does that give me that window where I don't have to perform? You know, you keep opening the doors and I keep seeing the next steps to walk through and two things came up for me. One, I totally understand the philosophy behind the name of your business. Frame of mind coaching. I've known it for a long time. Oh, Kim, frame of mind coaching. But having spent time with you right now, really getting into your perceptions and adaptations and understanding of your your world of performance and coaching helps me really understand what exactly frame of mind means. Um, the next door to walk through would be, you said, okay, well, just let it go, right? You brought us to the break, to the breakthrough. You told us kind of the next step. And then that was let it go. How do you let things go? How do people take that off their mental burden and really then step into the opportunity that's waiting for them on the other side of releasing whatever it is? Yeah. So, so letting go just like that seems really, really like too simple. So rather than just letting go my, like what I teach my clients is you don't have to let go, but it's a really great idea to trade up. So what does trading up mean is rather, and again, I'll go with the hard idea that things are hard rather than thinking that things are hard. Think things don't always have to be hard. So the moment that I say don't always have to be hard, what did I do? I created a little tiny space, a little tiny opportunity, a little, little, little one. And if I believe that things are hard and suddenly I say, well, they don't always have to be hard, we're easing up, we're opening up, we're softening up, we're starting to notice a little bit of the opportunity that exists around us. From they don't always have to be hard, we can go to, you know what, things can be easy, fluid sometimes. You know, th there could be times when things move, move and happen smoothly, right? Do you see how I'm inching my, my way up from hard to slightly less hard and maybe mm -hmm. sometimes easy and then sometimes more often easy and then maybe, hey, you know, things come to me with ease. Which comes back to the beginning full circle of the qualities and characteristics of leaders who they enter into adversity and through that, that is the whole journey to finding things becoming easier as you get into higher levels of performance. I, I started off by saying that 
we talked about emotional resilience. How do you take a negative experience, a moment of adversity and turn it into an advantage? I remember years and years and years and years ago, like this was again, this first business where we were selling software to the real estate industry. I'm circling back here. And it was our first mid-year NAR conference. Do you know mid-year NAR? Okay, so yep. first mid-year NAR conference, we had this beautiful booth, massive, expensive for us at the time. We shipped it to New Orleans, right, for this conference. We get there, guess what? No booth. FedEx lost the booth. So what are we going to do, right? It's our debut. We're just coming out, right? Our big coming out party. And we look like fools. What are we going to do? Literally, we went to Walgreens. We got, I don't know, four pieces of Bristol board, taped them together, and with markers, wrote a sign. Here's what the sign said. FedEx lost our booth, so now we're forced to give you 50% off. They didn't know what we were giving them 50% off of, but there were lineups because they wanted to know who we were, what we were about, and what happened. Normally, when you go to a trade show, you don't sell anything on the floor, right? You just connect with people, right? We came home with nearly $20,000 in contracts. So it's really about how do you leverage the adversity? How do you turn it into an advantage? I think that's a great and fantastic place for us to get to the summary of today's show. And also before we get there, I'd like to invite you into our elite prospectors group. Uh, it's a place where a lot of the audience and our customers come and interact with our guests and speakers afterwards to get questions and answers that they couldn't get here. And so Amanda, I'm sorry, can't get to your, uh, your post on today's chat here, but I would love if you could jump into that group and uh, Kim could jump in there and the rest of the audience can watch and learn as you guys take the Q&A inside of that group. And we're going to post a link inside the chat right now. Kim, I'll send you a text to join that after the show. And um, if you could just kind of give us a wrap, the summary of things, kind of break it down in a little nice narrative. So uh, as we wrap up for the day, people can kind of give those big bullet points a thought on their drive to wherever they're going or sitting in a chair waiting for uh, COVID to pass. So the big bullet point is this. When your life isn't the way you want it to go and you're frustrated and you're disappointed and you're tired very often our knee-jerk reaction is to say okay like man i need a plan i need to do things differently and what i want to say to you this is that sure you want to do things differently but not until you think things differently so when you feel frustrated ask yourself this one really critical question what do I believe to be true? How am I thinking about this? And how is that thinking leading me to feeling so tired, debilitated, angry, annoyed, whatever it is? So what am I thinking? Before you take action, examine your thinking and make sure your thinking is lined up with your goals. If it is not, then you're just going to take action that will lead to yet again a result you are not looking for. Hmm. Well said. And so for everybody who had a great time today on the show, if you got any value, show some love in the comments, show some love in the chat. Of course, wherever you're watching this, hit subscribe and like, 
We put a lot of time and energy into finding fantastic guests like Kim putting on the show behind the scenes, all the content that comes out of this. And so it helps us get the word out, makes our time and energy uh, that much more worthwhile to the community. If you could share these links and share and like wherever you have these things. And if you're wanting to join in the live conversation and be a part of these shows, join the email list, go to the redx.com forward slash blog, wait for the little pop-up to put your email in there and you'll be invited to entertain yourself with us, join the conversations, questions and answers from people like Kim, as well as when we come out with script ebook guides based on the show or breakdowns for your mindset, like we're probably going to do with Kim's conversation today, you'll be on the list to get those updates, the condensed versions. And so it's a fantastic opportunity there. And as well, make sure that Kim, why don't you give the audience a chance to learn more, discover more about your coaching and uh, maybe any additional resources that we don't know about, but would be a really a benefit for them to have. So go to frameofmindcoaching.com. There's a ton of information there. There's videos, there's blogs. I have my own podcast. There's all kinds of stuff there. There is also an article that you can find called the seven thinking traps leaders encounter. So, I mean, again, just go look for it. It's all there. Um, and you'll read that article and go, Oh my God, I fall into those traps sometimes. So, and please reach out. I love to get feedback. I love to hear what you're thinking. Again, my email address is Kim at frameofmindcoaching.com, but I'm on Facebook. I, like I'm everywhere. Thank you, Kim, so much. And we really look forward to having you back again. I don't think people can get enough of a good frame of mind based on your coaching. And so for everybody else, I'm your host, Justin Zimmerman, wrapping up another great episode of the Stability and Opportunity Podcast. We're off tomorrow for live shows. So join us again next week. We've got Emilio Despirito, I think, who's one of the editors and content producers over at Fit Small Business or The Close. Uh, they've got a great website where they talk about all sorts of things of value to real estate agents as well. And so check your email if you're on the list. If not, get on it. But until then, have a great rest of your day. See you all next time.